0: Corporations saw the face of democracy in 2008, and they were terrified. Coming up on Philosophy Talk, corporations and the future of democracy. Our guest is three-term U.S. Senator Russ Feingold. The First Amendment is incredibly important, but it's not the only thing that's important. What precedes the First Amendment is the creation of our democracy. Somebody created this Constitution, and it was not a corporation. If corporations become part of that group that's deciding what the rules should be, there will be no rules. Recorded live at Coverly Auditorium on the Stanford campus. For the first time in any of our lifetimes, if you buy toothpaste or detergent, that money can now be used immediately for a political candidate that you would never support. That is what is allowed by Citizens United, and so basically they get the benefit of limited liability, but they don't get the responsibility and the limitations that other people have to live by.
1: Corporations and the future of democracy, coming up on Philosophy Talk. This is Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything.
0: Except your intelligence. I'm John Perry. And I'm Ken Taylor.
1: We're coming to you from Coverly Auditorium at the School of Education on the Stanford campus.
0: Our thinking originates not very far from here at Philosopher's Corner, where Ken and I teach philosophy.
1: Welcome, everyone, to Philosophy Talk. <laughs> Our topic today, Corporations and the Future of Democracy.
0: What well, can that title suggest that corporations are perhaps a potential threat to democracy? So maybe we should get clear at the outset about exactly what a corporation is.
1: Well, John, you know, there are lots of ways that corporations might and I think do threaten democracy, but all of these threats are rooted in one basic concept a concept that's actually key to the nature of a corporation that's the idea of limited liability
0: limited liability is the idea that the individuals behind a corporation the ones that started the ones that put up their money for its activities can shield themselves from full financial responsibility for the risks that the corporation takes the thinking is that if people can protect themselves from full liability they'll be willing to take greater risks and try new things. Limited liability encourages the kind of creativity and innovation that our country and Silicon Valley are built upon. Yeah,
1: and limited liability in that sense is a great thing, but you know, it's a double-edged sword. There are no unmixed blessings in life. Because limited liability also enables corporations to do things like, well, pollute and destroy the natural environment without having to take full responsibility. For example, suppose a corporation has a million doll- causes a million dollars worth of environmental damage. Actually, that's kind of peanuts. But it's a really small corporation and only has $1,000 in assets. Basically, the corporation can go bankrupt, walk away from the damage it caused, and leave the rest of us stuck with the bill. <coughs>
0: Even if it doesn't do that, the mere threat of going bankrupt can be used in negotiation and in litigation. If a lawsuit against a corporation is too successful, ironically, the corporation can just declare bankruptcy, and the plaintiffs won't get near as much as they So far,
1: it sounds, we, we've talked about a small corporation, but even a huge corporation with major assets can leverage the threat of bankruptcy to avoid liability for uh, damages that it caused. Remember the BP oil spill in the Gulf. I mean, the mere possibility of BP going bankrupt meant that they were able to get away with causing all that damage, massive damage, without being held fully responsible for that damage.
0: Today, however, we're interested in the advantages and disadvantages that are peculiar to corporations what they offer to democracies. So maybe we ought to now say a little bit by what we mean by a democracy. Well, that's,
1: that's kind of easy. You know, Every eligible voter has one vote. And, and all matters of public policy ultimately are decided by majority rule. I mean, many democracies set aside certain things uh, that are beyond majority rule. That's the point of the Bill of Rights. But
0: basically, one man, one vote. Not one corporation, one vote. One person, one vote. And many democracies, have very undemocratic institutions right in the heart of things, right in the middle of things, like the United States Senate, which gives the vote of a person from Delaware or Alaska or, or even Wisconsin about a hundred times more weight than the vote from someone like you or I in California, can.
1: John, you always go on about this, every time we talk about democracy. But look, as imperfect as the U.S. may be in terms of being its democratic institutions, it's got the basic thing about democracy right. People who seek power at any level of government, they have to get votes, lots of votes, votes from the people. So we the people have a lot to say about how we're governed, and that's the basic idea of democracy. We the people govern, not we the corporations govern.
0: And you don't have to have corporations, though, to have a threat of undermining this basic idea. Someone can use their money to buy or otherwise unduly influence the votes of the electorate. So instead of getting the wisdom of the majority, we're just getting the reflection of money. And in a representative democracy, things can even be done more efficiently. You can go directly to the elected officials and bribe them instead of buying votes.
1: That's true, that's true, but you know, corporations raise the ante tremendously because, you know, however rich an individual may be, corporations are bound to be even richer. I mean, think of the huge multinational corporations of today. There's really no limit to the resources that they can bring to bear on the political process, for example, if we allow them to do that.
0: Can't isn't this really just the problem that the Supreme Court Citizens United decision, if it didn't create, at least it exacerbated terribly? They held that corporations are persons, which they seem to have taken very literally. So they're persons that have the right of free speech. And, and that speech can take the form of money. So corporations can now... Spend all the money they want on political campaigns. You know,
1: Johnny, you're right. It raises lots of questions. I mean, what does it even mean to say that money is speech, or or that a corporation? I mean, think of what is a corporation? It's an entity with no thoughts, feelings, emotions, or intentions. What does it mean to say that's a person? I mean, should a non-breathing creation of the law—that's what a per- corporation is—a creation of the law—have most of the rights but few of the responsibilities of a living, breathing human citizen?
0: We sent. Our roving philosophical reporter, Caitlin Esch. To learn more about a case where the question of corporate personhood and corporate responsibility was central and crucial, she files this report.
2: Our story begins in the early 1990s in Nigeria's Delta region, home to the native Ogoni people. Around the Delta, multinational companies had been extracting crude oil for decades. Back in the 90s, Royal Dutch Petroleum had a contract with the Brutal Military Dictatorship.
3: And like most uh, huge companies that go into places like Nigeria to do extracting work, they set about basically wrecking the environment and the culture of the local people.
2: Peter Weiss is a retired lawyer and vice president of the Center for Constitutional Rights in New York City. He's an expert on the case against Royal Dutch Petroleum that's making its way through the Supreme Court. To understand the case, it's important to know what happened to a man named Ken Sarawiwa. Here's a clip from his last interview in 1995.
1: To take away the resources of a people and refuse to give them anything in return is to subject them to slavery.
2: In the 90s, Sarawiwa was a leading Nigerian intellectual. He was a poet, an environmental activist, a TV producer, the son of an Ogoni chieftain. Sarawiwa and others started organizing people in the region against the oil companies.
1: I accuse the oil companies of encouraging genocide against the Ogoni people. I accuse Shelb and Chevron of practicing racism against the Ogoni people because they do in Ogoni what they do not do in other parts of the world where they prospect for oil.
2: Then one day, four local leaders were killed. Sarawiwa and other activists were framed for the murders. They were quickly convicted by a special military tribunal, and they were hanged. Attorney Peter Weiss believes Royal Dutch Petroleum helped the government get false convictions by promising people jobs at Shell. Here's a clip from a BBC interview with activist Ben Amunwa.
1: Shell refused to listen to peaceful, non-violent organizers like Ken Sarawiwa and conspired to silence him and others in a range of brutal crackdowns against the Agoni
2: Today, the company is accused of helping the Nigerian government torture and execute Ogoni activists. The case before the U.S. Supreme Court is called Kiobol v. Royal Dutch Petroleum. It's being brought on behalf of the relatives of victims like Esther Kiobol, whose husband was hanged alongside Ken Zarawiwa. But why is a part-Dutch, part-British company on trial in an American courtroom for atrocities committed more than 15 years ago in Nigeria? Because of something called the Alien Tort Statute. Again, attorney Peter Weiss.
3: Well, that's a law that I like to think of as the sleeping beauty law because it sat there for two centuries without being used. And it says that an alien can sue in federal court for a tort in violation of what was then called the law of nations, which we now call international law.
2: The law has been used, largely unsuccessfully, to bring suits against corporations like a Canadian oil company, Coca-Cola, and even Yahoo. Then, about a year and a half ago, in the case of Kiobol versus Royal Dutch Petroleum, a court of appeals ruled the alien tort statute could not be used against corporations. So the plaintiffs appealed to the Supreme Court.
3: So it's the first case which is raising the question of whether when the alien tort statute says an alien shall have a right of action that the word alien includes not only individuals but also corporations
2: in other words along with the perks should corporations have the same responsibilities as a person a decision is expected in the case in the summer of 2013. for philosophy talk i'm caitlin esch
1: you can listen to the rest of this episode by purchasing it on itunes music or for unlimited listening, subscribe to our archive at philosophytalk.org.